Good morning. Uh, it's really cool for Julie and I to be back here with you guys. Uh, in fact, on this platform, 27 years ago, uh, we set our wedding vows and we got married. So that's the first time I think we've been back here uh, together on that platform. So this place means a lot to us personally. And uh, so to most all of you, uh, whether you know it or not, we were uh, sent from this church as missionaries at that time or shortly after there. We went to China and North Korea to do disciple making and church planning as a calling. And this church is behind us all the way and has been ever since for 27 years, no matter where we've gone in our journey. So we have to say thank you. And we also have to just tell you that if you, we want to have a relationship as much as we can. And if, you can keep up, up with us. We have email and you can sign up for newsletters and stuff like that. That's a, the only way really missionaries can keep up with the church body is to have that kind of thing. So I am very excited to be here this morning. Uh, and the reason why is just a few days ago, I uh, came back from uh, a couple of different countries, but Indonesia. And Indonesia, uh, the purpose of that long trip was to do uh, relationship development with indigenous leaders of, uh, that have had a tremendous amount of fruitfulness. So I'm just going to use their initials. I'm not going to use their name, uh, but uh, one gentleman's name is Z. And Z, when he was in his 20s, he received Jesus uh, while he was in prison. He was a heroin addict. His body is covered in tattoos. And he, he, he would just turn from following Islam, and he turned to following Jesus. And he was so excited when he got out of prison, and he was just so full of joy that he said, I want everybody to know. And he found that there's a people group in Indonesia that had a million people in it. They're all following Islam. They have their own language, their own culture, and there's not one known believer among that. And so... Uh, Z didn't, just couldn't live with that. He said, I, and he went, and he told me this story personally uh, just a few days ago, and, and, and this is kind of a, he said, uh, I went every day into the marketplace, and I, I shared the gospel. I shared with Jesus one time after another the forgiveness of sins with man after person after person. He said, I shared the gospel 1,200 times, and he said, I did that for four months. Day after day after day, not one person wanted to receive forgiveness of their sins in Jesus Christ. Not one person. Until the fourth month, around the 1200th time, and we'll just call this man T, and I met with him too. T and I had long conversations for hours and hours, and T was the very first guy. T was a 57-year-old man. He, he, he tells me he was an Al-Qaeda terrorist. He was somebody who was destroying churches, and he was hurting Christians, and he had a, a, a personal holy war that he was exercising with his fellow brothers, and they were, felt like they were doing God's work. But when he, Z told T the, the gospel and said, God wants to forgive you of sin, T said, I just felt so much guilt, I felt so much shame, and I received Jesus. And he changed like that, and he started following Jesus as God, and he went home and told his wife right away, and his wife divorced him. And his whole family rejected him. And he lost his job and he went to prison and he had all sorts of problems. But he kept telling people about Jesus. And so T is the first one. And then he had his first follower and his first follower. And this is just over 10 years ago, not very long ago, that this took place. And T is now in his early 70s and he's telling me these stories. And he and, and Z, and they were introducing me to other believers. But let me tell you this, and I work all over the world with these different groups, and we don't want to exaggerate numbers. We don't want to make things sound bigger than they really are. 
but we want to give you an idea. Just in this one people group alone, just from this one particular chain of events I told you about, there's now 150,000 baptized followers of Jesus, and they're walking after him, and they're sharing their faith every day, and they're doing that with great personal cost. They're losing jobs, they're rejected from their networks and their community, and you would just see the joy in their faces, and I got to spend a lot of time with them. And that's just one effort among over a thousand movements like that happening globally right now among Hindus, Buddhists, tribal, and, and, and Muslim, and secular peoples. It's just happening all over the world. And it's not just little bit, it's rapid growth of the, of the church. So we have to share that. And why do I go to those places? One of the reasons why I go is to just ask questions. I just ask questions. How does this God, how did God do this? What's he doing in, in, in your situation? And, and what can we learn from that? What can we take from that? Because the Holy Spirit works here and the Holy Spirit works there. What, what lessons? And it's really amazing stuff, simple little tools. And, and, and so just to share that with you. And, and it reminds me of the verses that we're looking at today from Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus said to the disciples and all the people that were following, you know, Jesus was, was when he started his ministry, he started, people started getting healed and their, their emotional problems were going away and their spiritual deliverance and, and they loved him and they just wanted what Jesus had. And so hundreds and then thousands of people started following the Lord. And he had to come away from the city streets and he went up onto a mountain right over the Sea of Galilee. We actually know where that mountain is where he preached the Beatitudes are very close to it. It's kind of cool. And he, he stood over this field that was massive and he said, among many other things, but he looked at, at those around him and he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hillside cannot be hidden. And, that, and, when, and you can imagine that, because he's on a hillside when he said that. And, and, and it's got to be dark at night, and it's got to get close, and, and the people got to know where to go. And they, they're looking for some sort of guide, and, and you don't have electricity. What are you going to do? The city on the light, it, it, the city on the hill, you cannot be hidden. And he said, and, and, and nobody takes a lamp or a light and, and, and covers it. They uncover in their house, they uncover it so it'll fill the whole house with light, right? And he said, but just in the same way, let your light shine. So those around you will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's really powerful stuff. I, I, we hear this all the time, you know, light, light. Many years ago, 30 years ago, I was in college, and I made friends with lots of people. I had more time on my hands, and I, I met a man, and his man, this, this fellow student, his name's Tony. We became friends. Tony was blind from birth. He had, had, had never seen in his life. He was about 25 years old, and Tony and I would talk, and Tony and I were sitting over... Uh, you know, a, a meal, and he, one time he just, he just struck me, because he just, he loved the Lord so much, and he said, Jeff, he goes, do you know about light? I said, yeah, I know about light. Light's everywhere. No, no, let me tell you about light. And I said, okay. And so Tony went on to explain to me, he goes, light comes from a chemical reaction. A chemical reaction creates light. He goes, in the sun, most of our light comes from the sun, ultimately. And he said, in the sun, there's a chemical reaction that's taking place all the time. Every 
moment throughout in the universe. It's just burning and glowing in this chemical reaction. It's so powerful. It's so mighty. It's so hot. It's blowing out energy, and it's blowing out light. And light is in the form of these little photons, Jeff. He goes, there are these little rays that go, and some of them are long, some of them are short, and they're really fast. When they come out of the sun, they're so fast that they, they, it only takes eight minutes to reach Earth. Those light rays, boom, they hit Earth after eight minutes. And he goes, it's amazing. And he goes, what happens is when it hits Earth, too, they're so powerful that he goes, so that light, when it hits the ocean, they slow down. Light, when it hits things, it slows down. And when it hits the ocean, it slows down. And he goes, it's, it's, we know that when light rays hit the ocean, they start slowing down, but they go all the way. They're so powerful, they go to 220 feet deep before they just burn out. So after 220 feet deep, Jeff, it's totally pitch dark. He goes, I can tell you all about light. I can tell you these. He just went on and on about light and amazing properties that light has. I said, wow. He goes, but Jeff, in my whole life, I've never seen light. I have no idea what light really is. I've never experienced light. He just has no clue about what it is. And he said, Jeff, I would rather know nothing about light and just see one dim light bulb, one little glimmer of a, a spark that I've read about than I would to know all this knowledge about light. I just want to experience the light. And you know, that illustration hits home, doesn't it? When you think about the light of the world, and Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He said, I am the light. You know, the Bible talks about two kinds of light. Two kinds of light, really. There's physical light, and there's spiritual light. Physical light and spiritual light. And they're different in the Bible. They're different. And you know they're different because right now you think in Genesis chapter 1, God said there was darkness and void, and he said, let there be light, right? God created physical light. God said light is created. But spiritual light, God didn't create. God is light, it says in 1 John. He said, God is light. Spiritual light, the, the truth, the reality that there is an almighty God that's never, ever, ever not been. He's always been. He always will be. It, he he's totally exists. No one can explain him. He is just is. This being, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this power that's created everything that we know, he is light. He is light. He's spiritually light, and he enlightens people that come to him. And, and you, it comes on, and you go, wow, it's true. And that light is spiritual light, and that's the light of the world that Jesus said, because you know it was, because the Bible talks about spiritual light and physical light as well, like he said. So those are the lights. So when you, Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world. He's not saying, I just want you to know about light. I just want to explain it to you. I want to give you, and it is the same with us. We have so much knowledge, don't we, about the Bible? We have everything we need. we got so much knowledge. We can have theology degrees, and we're amazing what we can know about God's word and the history and the culture from all the way back to Genesis to Revelation. We know, we know so much about God's word and history in our culture here. But you can have all that knowledge and explain all the amazing processes that come in the Bible and the ology, but you can still be just like Tony not even know that light. So God obviously wants us to experience that light 
in his life, and, and that light is in there, and, he, and, and we do, and that's why we're here in church today. I mean, we're coming. Most of us probably came, and, and we, I don't know everybody where you came from today. I don't know your background. I don't know, uh, you know what kind of struggles you have or health issues. I just know, I know one of my good friends, Dwayne, back, back west, he told me this week he's got a brain cancer, blastoma in his brain, and he's only got a month to live. He's got two kids. He's young, and his life is just crushed just crushed the pain. And I know there's people like that here, and there's people that know people like that. Crushing pain, and you just come here just for a glimpse. You just want to taste. You just want to be some hope. And, and, and that's what's beautiful about God's eternal light and spirit, because when we look at him and we get his eternal love, one more time, you just get one more taste, and you realize his unconditional love for you and me is by grace, it's free, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you don't do, it doesn't no matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how bad you are, it doesn't matter if you're smart or you're dumb or, or anything, it doesn't matter what degrees you have or how much money you have, none of that matters to God at all with his love. He says, I love you, I love you, I gave you my son, I die on the cross, your sins can be forgiven and, and it's all for free, it's by grace, it's by grace and it's a free gift. And, that, and we just touch again that unconditional love. It refreshes our hearts, doesn't it? When you really taste it, when you go back to him and say, it's real. It's really not about how bad I am. It's not about what I did last night on the computer. It's not about what I said to my spouse. It's not about something bad that happened 20 years ago or how I was molested or whatever. It's none of that. It's just, I love you. And you receive that freely in the moment. And things change. Perspectives change. Things happen. That's the light. You have to experience that too. And we know that the scriptures tell us. It's interesting, isn't it? That in the light, it says, and in, in Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He, he really said, I am the light of the world, along with a lot of other I am's. And we're, we're really his reflection of that spiritual light to the people around us. And he said that right after that, he said, so let your light shine that your good works around you will, what? Will glorify the Father in heaven. This is fascinating in the Word. You can take me to the account on it. Go ahead and look it up somewhere in your Bible. And you look at every single time we see a description of God's free grace, free salvation, free love for you and me. There's within a, a, at least one sentence, maybe two, there's a, a statement about doing good works. It's not dependent on good works, but it creates good works. It always creates good works because your life changed when you got in light. When you get enlightened with the Lord and you feel that, even if it's just a, a cup or whether it's a flood, you still change and your good works will change. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works. In Titus it says what? It says that, that God and his, his love and mercy, he saved us not by our righteousness, but through his mercy and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit abundantly upon us. And it says that this is a, Paul wrote, he said, this is a trustworthy statement. And I insist that you tell it, that anyone who believes in God, be careful to devote yourself unto good works. That's right there in that passage. Every single time you put your free grace together, you're going to see an, a challenge, an exaltation, an exhortation to do good works. So let's talk about good works. What are these good works? You know, a lot of times we as believers, we think it's all about 
do's and don'ts rule. We get stuck. We get stuck in this, oh, am, I, am I good, am I bad, am I right, am I wrong, am I... And, and when you're talking about the good works of Jesus, everything's infused through grace. Everything's through grace. All that law is now infused with grace. And he's empowering us to perform those deeds that he wants us to do. So these grace work, you should interpret all these statements. You know, John, in, in the book of John, chapter 15, many times Jesus said, his, his red letter edition, <laughs> he says that if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. He goes, he that loves me is the one that does what I tell them. The Great Commission, go therefore in all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, telling them all the things I have taught you and what? What? That last statement. It's not just about telling and do and obey. Then I'm with you always. So it's this obedience. Every time we look at that in the passage of Scripture and the word works, Let's think of the word practice. Practice. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know why God gifted Julie and I with four musicians. My son is 23, just graduated from a university with a music degree. And he's phenomenal. I can't tell you how good. I don't even know how he does what he does. He plays this thing called a marimba with four mallets, and he can do it for hours with no music. And it, 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 I'm like, wow, and it's beautiful. And in front of hundreds of people. My daughter plays the clarinet, and her university is going off on an orchestra to China in a couple of months, and they're going to play for Jesus all over China in places that never heard of him. And she's going to play her clarinet. And my daughter, Allie and Abby, the twins, are 16 now, and, and they play the flute and the, and the French horn, and they play phenomenal. And so I, I couldn't, a few years ago, I said, this is too much for me. I don't play music. I don't know much about music. I don't have music theory. And I'm, I, you know, these guys, when they're up here, it's hard work. I'm telling you, it takes hundreds of hours, maybe thousands and thousands of hours to get that good, to be able to play in front of you and do the stuff they're doing. I know because I play the guitar. I'm a, play, I'm a guitar player. I'm, I'm on the 90-year plan. I'll be really good when I'm 90. Anyway, it takes, it takes like hundreds of hours, and you've got to get your fingers just right, and they've got to sit right in the string, and just right behind the fret, and there's this pressure, and practice is all about what? And then my son taught me this. Practice is all about failure. You fail in practice more than you succeed. You're constantly practicing, and you're making mistakes, mistake after mistake after mistake. And he, he taught me this little phrase. I said, I would like you to think, you need to practice more, son, when you're like 15. You need to practice. You're not practicing. You know, practice makes perfect. And he, he told me, he said, Dad, I've learned this. He said, no, practice doesn't make perfect. He said, perfect practice makes good performance. Perfect practice makes good performance. And I thought about that, and that like, makes a whole lot of sense. And when God is telling us to do good works, he's telling us to get out there and make mistakes. Don't get so fed up, and i got to be perfect in all of these things. He wants us to go out there and practice good works. Practice doing the efforts. And it doesn't always go right, does it? When you try to tell your friend about Jesus and you don't know what to say and you feel uncomfortable and things don't go very well, you're like, I don't know, I'll just be quiet. Well, you know, is that kind of good work when you're sharing? It's hard. And you have to practice. Just get back up on your horse and go again. And that's what the grace of God. And when you fail to do what God wants you to do, you know for sure that God wants you to share the gospel with your neighbor, your friend, and your loved one or that stranger, and you're afraid. You know what I mean? You know that fear. You get that feeling like, oh, I don't know what to say, and maybe, and you just choose not to do it. You think God really wanted you to, but you didn't. 
you can repent of that. You can say, Lord, forgive me. And you can go back and try again. God is amazing that way. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from our mistakes. Practice those things. So those are good works. And I really encourage you to think about the good works of God, whether that's um, corporate good works. There's two kinds of good works, really, in Scripture. Corporate good works, where together we do more than we do when we're alone. And those are great things to do. You can change human trafficking. You can change uh, lives of so many people through food ministries and poverty and hunger when you work together. We work, I work with this group, IBAM, International Business Mission. We start small businesses personally owned by indigenous believers like I just talked about, that Z and T in places that have no income, very poor, and they own their own businesses, create jobs, tithe, and they practice disciple-making in their businesses. We, we do that all over the world, but in these tough places. I don't do that alone. we got a great group of people that contribute a little here, a little there, a little expertise, a little administration, and all together you can do a big corporate work. That's one kind of work, and everybody here knows we can contribute to stuff like that. Another, though, is individual works, and God is talking about those individual works. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Everybody that says, I follow Jesus, whether it's just for a day or whether it's 50 years, we all have his Holy Spirit. And every one of us are called and prepared for good works, right? We got special things that God just has for you. No one else can do them. Your neighbor can't do them. You, only you can do them. He's, and, he's, and he's whispering to us all the time what he wants us to be doing. And one thing I've learned from these guys overseas in these places like that, it's very simple what they do. It's very simple. They listen to the Lord. When they have devotions, they do it a little different than us. I've been with them. Everybody looks at devotion. You do them at home by yourself. You do them in small groups, I hope. Uh, if you're not, you know, you're, you're missing out. Uh, but if you do it, you, you, you open the Bible, and somehow you spend a little time reading a passage of Scripture. Um, you ask, you know, who is God? Who is man? Uh, what is, but at the, at the end, you wrap it up and pray and say, have a great week, right? That's devotion in America most of the time, but not for these guys. They do all the same thing. They look at a passage of Scripture. They, they, they ask questions about God. They learn. But what they do differently in these movements, these ones that are growing, and what God is calling us to is to do the works of the ministry. So they always ask this question. You'll find this in all thousand movements I'm talking about. I can take you everywhere in the world. And we can, they always ask these questions. Right when we get done with the Bible, I learned something from the Bible, I heard a message, they say, what does God want me to do because of this message? The Holy Spirit always wants us to change, to do something, so what is it? And they never let each other off the hook. They almost always do this in a small group. They say something like, well, what does God want you to do? If somebody just says, he wants me to pray more, it's like, what does that mean? Pray more. Oh, you mean you want to pray more today? You want me to pray more tonight? You mean at 10 o'clock tonight you want to add five minutes to your... Oh, okay, I get that. That's specific. And the reason why they ask that is because the next time they get together, they say, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do and you thought God wanted you to do? Then it gets uncomfortable. Then it gets uncomfortable because now there's this little bit of accountability. And then at the end, they always ask this question. Who are you going to share with what you, you learned? And you think of somebody, my sister, my brother, my neighbor. And so... Those questions are so simple, but they're so powerful, and they're right out of Scripture. When you look at how Jesus taught, he always had something specific. So individual works. This is what God has for you. He's going to whisper in your ear. On Thursday, I had an all-day meeting down in Washington, D.C. 
uh, there was a board for this IBAM group. I drove down there, and after the meeting was over, there was Daniel and John and I, and, and, and we, we were hungry. We were like, this is a long day, and we're from different parts of the country, and we don't know anything about where we are. So we got on Google afterwards, and we said, hey, where's the nearest restaurant or a restaurant? Uh, and we said, okay. So we went to that restaurant. And when we got there, I was like, hey, guys, let's eat here. But then I walked in the door with them, and I looked, and I said, this place is expensive. Oh, my gosh, it was just so expensive. And so let's, I said, I feel a little uncomfortable inviting you guys to go here. Let's go out. So we went out the door. We looked around, and it was a fast food place and something else. But we wanted to talk. And both of, all three of us said, why don't we just go in there? So we turned back into the expensive restaurant. We sat down, and we you know, looked at the menu. And like, like always, uh, when you go to a restaurant, the waiter came. And the waiter came with a young man. He's like 21, 22. Uh, and he says, hello, my name is Anton. And Anton had an accent. And we said, hey, where are you from, Anton? You know, we always do that. And Julie and I learned to practice something. And we're, you know, we're getting better at it. Uh, but we, what you do when you go to a restaurant, in the last couple of years, almost always, we will say, um, you know, make a, what's your name to our waiter or waitress? They always like it, you know, Sue, Jim, whatever, Anton. So we asked Anton, what's your name? And he said, oh, okay, that's interesting. And we said, where are you from? And he said, from Ukraine. And he said, oh, that's interesting, Ukraine. Um, and so, and always the second thing that happens when you have, go to a restaurant is they always bring you the menu. Right? And so when they bring you the menu, you say, oh, thank you for the menu. And then they finally bring your food. And by that time, what we practice is we almost always now say, and we did to Anton on Thursday, we said, Anton, uh, we're, it's our custom. We almost always we pray together. Uh, is there anything we can pray for you for? And Anton looked at us, and he goes, who are you with? What group are you from? And we were like, what group are you from? You know, it's like, what do you mean, what group are we from? I said, I'm from Seattle. And John said, I'm from Michigan, and Daniel, and, and so and we said, we're not with a group, we just, you know, want to pray, Jesus has done a lot for us, we want to pray for you, very simple, and he goes, oh, no, no, there, there's something, there's something going on, and we said, no, no, and he, and he said, he goes, and we said, where are you, from Ukraine, and, and I said, he said, he had told us earlier he's from Ukraine, and we said to him, um, well, that's, that's, that's interesting, you're from there, and it, but and he goes, what do you do? And I said, oh, we start these businesses. And we said, we do it in Ukraine. He goes, I know you. I know you. Yeah, I know who you are. And we're like, what? You know us. I mean, a stranger in a big city. And I know you. And I said, we were like, no, you couldn't possibly know us. He goes, and he goes, no, I know about you. You do this. And we're really not that big. And we're not like advertising everywhere. We're just doing this where we can. And we do it in Ukraine. And uh, we said, why do you think you know us? And he goes, Alexander came, come, he came in here, and he told me all about you. Alexander is our chairman of the board. And months earlier, he had come to this restaurant, and Alexander had shared the gospel with Anton and told him about what we do. How in the world can we do that? So instantly, John and, and Daniel and I, we felt shivers all over our body, goosebumps, because we knew that we knew that we knew that God had brought us to that moment. We were going to leave. And, and then, I, I, he's lonely. He's all by himself. You know what his prayer request was? He goes, my 96-year-old Ukrainian grandmother is going to die, and I'm the only one over here, and I'm tired, and I'm sending my money home, and I can't go home to her. I just pray that I'll see her before she dies. That was his prayer request. So we prayed for him for that. And, you know, I said, Anton, when I was 21, I was really lonely. I was so lonely. 
and I was in the Air Force, and I was in college practice. And I said, then someone told me about Jesus, that there was this man that loved people and healed people and he did supernatural things. That he, he forgives of sins. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And I didn't believe him. He said, and the guy told me, if you go home and pray this, that your life will change. And I said, I don't believe it. I wasn't raised in a religious home. No parents didn't realize it. And, but when I went home, I thought about it. And I said, when I went home, I prayed and I asked Jesus, you know what happened? The loneliness went away. And the, and the love in my heart filled up. And I told him that. I said, what do you think of my story, Anton? And then we went on and he got to hear the gospel. And now he's going to go into a Bible study with Alexander. And all it took was one minute to share my testimony. And I learned that too. Julie and I practiced that. You share your feelings, two feelings at the beginning of what you were like before Jesus. Then you just share that Jesus died on the cross for sin, and then two feelings after. And then you always end with, what do you think of my story? And so I'm going to leave that with you guys here today, because Zeke, Z, and the, the, the work in Indonesia that I talked about at the beginning, the one thing you'll learn is it's simple to see the gospel go forth. The good works that God wants us to do are simple, and they're changing the world. And they'll change right here in Upper Dublin Township, in this area around here. They're the same principle. And so I want to leave it with you today in closing that you would ask yourself this question as a result of being here today. What does God want you to do? Be specific. Think about it. Today, not tomorrow, and not specific. It could be a little thing, but the Holy Spirit's in you. He'll give you just an idea of something to do. And then who do you want to tell about what you heard today at church? Share it with somebody, and you'll be surprised how God will work. So let's close. Father God, thank you so much for being... So patient with all of us, Lord, in our exercise of the good works. We pray, Lord, you'll continue to just pick us up and dust us off and help us to be your faithful witness in everywhere we go, to do those good works, to share you and glorify the Father in heaven. Shine the light in and through Chelton today. In Jesus' name, amen.